how do we reorder this? How do we reorder the idea that when we show up well with our spouse and then we show up well with our kids, that we can thrive in every other area of life, but that it actually starts right there. We already have kids who think that we're famous. We, we show up at home, we're famous to them. How do we make sure that we live up to how they see us already? And how do we do that with each other? Welcome to the Rhythm of Us podcast. We're your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. This past year, we released a book we've been pouring our hearts and souls into for quite some time, and it's called The Rhythm of Us, and it's available now wherever you get your books. Throughout this season, we'll be exploring the five rhythms from our book, as well as sitting with and learning from wise leaders, mentors, and friends in our life about the intentional rhythms that can lead us closer to God and closer to each other. Well, today we're chatting with our new friends right here in Franklin, Dr. Josh and Christy Straub. I had to really yep. <laughs> work on that one, but we got it. Yeah. Well, Gravy is a last name. You right. know, I respect it. I get it. Yes, so, we resonate. Yeah. Josh and Christy are speakers, authors, and marriage and leadership coaches. And together, they lead Famous at Home, a company centered on emotional intelligence and family wellness. Love what they're doing. They also host the Famous at Home podcast and have written several wonderful books, including their latest book, Famous at Home, which we are diving into here today. Yeah, we loved this conversation Mm -hmm. with Josh and Christy. They shared so much wisdom with us. I'm still thinking about and working on in our own family. Um, They unpack several simple decisions we can make as parents to shift the environment of our home. Mm -hmm. We chat about how to connect in meaningful ways with our kids, the importance of showing up as the best version of ourselves, and practical ways we can intentionally create an atmosphere of peace in Mm. our home. Yes, please. Yes, Lord. (laughs) Yes, with lots of littles and a huge dog. Dog, oh, that man. that spoke to me. I was like, "Tell me how to do that." I'll take some peace. Yes. <laughs> Give me all the peace. With a side of peace. <laughs> yes, this was such an incredible conversation. We cannot wait to share it with you all. So pull up a chair and join us. Here's Josh and Christy. All right, Josh, Christy, welcome to the party. We're glad you guys are here. Thank you for having us. We're honored, as always, to be yeah. with you guys. Yeah, this is like our reunion tour. Here we are. <laughs> here we are again. Yeah. Well, you know, we had the opportunity to go on your podcast, which was so much fun. So here you are on the rhythm of us. And so let's dive in a little bit for everyone listening here. Um, help them understand who you are and what it is you guys do. Yeah. Uh, thank you again for having us. Um, I'm, I'm Josh. This is my wife, Christy, and we lead an organization called Famous at Home. Uh, and part of that is that we've been trying to figure out how to be famous at home ourselves. And so it's our journey. And it really started for us a number of years ago. We were in the trenches with our kids, our first two in particular. And I had been counseling juvenile delinquents and troubled families for so many years. And I was like, how does, how could this, like this parenting thing, because we were fine till we had kids. Like our greatest opponent didn't come into our marriage until uh, like weighing eight pounds, one ounce. Like it was really difficult. 100%. And so, so we're in those early trenches years and I'm going, how can we really do this well? And Mm -hmm. so I started going back to the research and long story short is I found that every major outcome we desire in our kids led back to this idea of emotional safety, creating an emotionally safe environment in our home. But that results with us as parents. It really starts with us as parents. So every major parenting outcome you look at really is based upon one conclusion, and that's that our kids become who we are. And so we really started to look at how do we become 
we already have kids who think that we're famous. Like they're showing, we show up at home, we're famous to them. How do we make sure that we live up to how they see us already? And how do we do that with each other? Mm -hmm. And so it really started with this idea of how do we really pour into the next generation, but it came back to the parent and the atmosphere of the home. And so as we started leading that way through the years, one of the biggest calls that we got was from pastors, ministry leaders, or business owners or entrepreneurs who had a moral or ethical failure in some way. And, and they're saying, hey, can you help us put this back together? And over and over and over again, we started to see this, this pattern of trying to be famous somewhere else, chasing something uh, outside the home rather than, uh, and, and so we're showing up and giving our leftovers to our kids or to our spouse. And so we just really came to a place of going, how do we reorder this? How do we reorder the idea that when we show up well with our spouse and then we show up well with our kids that we can thrive in every other area of life, but that it actually starts right there. And so it really started out of our own personal journey, but then also it, it morphed into um, serving more and more families who we found having the similar troubles. Um, and ultimately we're having, you know, just, it, it went down a, a, a really difficult path. And I think there's a lot of families, they just want to get this right. Like they carry mm -hmm. hurt from their own childhoods or they saw what their parents did and they loved and they want to include that, but there's some things that they want to change and they look around them and, you know, this friend has gotten a divorce and this family is broken and this, you know, these children are like just gone astray. And they're like, how do we do this better? And not that we're going to ever do it perfectly, but I want to matter. I want this family that God has given me. I want it to like, I want it to succeed. Mm -hmm. And like he's saying, it's so easy to find that success out in the world. I mean, that's where all the accolades are. That's where we get all the gold stars and all the uh, attaboys. And like, we don't get them for making dinner. We don't get them for playing shoots and ladders. We don't get them for sitting on our daughter's bed and trying desperately to get to what is underneath the attitude and like what is going on in her heart. But is that not that like, this is the gold, this is the gold of life at the end of it. This is what, you know, we say like, it's an overnight success, a decade in the making. It could be, it might be more like two decades in the making, but we want so desperately to do well. And yet there's so much pulling our attention away from home. And that's really where Famous at Home, I think shines because it's just this, it's not super complicated. It's just, let's about face. <laughs> and most of culture isn't saying that. They're saying outward face. Mm. Yeah, that's so, good. so good. All right. Well, um, I can't wait to dive into the new project, this book called Famous at Home. You have a podcast. You know, if you don't know about it and you guys are listening, go look up Famous at Home. But before we go, before we go there, you said in those early days, you know, life was easy before kids or whatever. Where did you guys meet each other? What is your story there? We'd love to hear that. Do you want the truth or his version? Uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> There's always three sides to Go a story. So we met, we were, we, Let's hear um, the, truth. the truth. So we met in grad school. I'm Canadian originally, but I came to the States to do a master's in counseling, Christian counseling, because that I found out that was a thing um, here in the States and really wasn't at home. And so, and I was working in the department. I had heard of him because he spoke about like dating and relationships and stuff and all the girls loved him. And <laughs> I just assumed that he must be arrogant if that's what he did. And so 
I had never met him. That was just my total assumption. And then we met one day working late in the office. He held the door for me and was like, no, no. It was evening. So we're up there at like seven o'clock at night. Like, And there you was know, no like were the only two insecurity up there. or like, it was just like, hi, I'm Josh. I was like, well, I'm holding the door for you. you hi, be I'm, nice. I'm Christy. And then we walked down the stairs and I'll never forget it. We stood there talking for 40 minutes, maybe. It was a lot, but you know, you just feel like I just get you. Like I just could, like I just got him, and I felt like he just—he was the first person. I'd been there for a couple years, and I feel like you get me. Like we—it was just sweet. But I thought, and then, and then at that time, she asked me out on a date while we're standing right right. there. She asked me out that night. Yes. Uh, no. She was going. She there was going there's to the a truth. living. There's, <laughs> yeah. the real there's truth. The, you she know. was going to a living Christmas tree program, and she said, "Hey, okay. by the way, I'm going to this program tonight. Would you like right. to go along with me?" And I was like, "You right. literally just asked me out on a date the first time I met you." Right. So, like, <laughs> so that now who now who's the arrogant one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just prove yourself. Oh, your true color shine. There you go. I asked him to join a bunch of counseling students. You yeah, did. we were all it is true. going. You did. Yeah. It was like a it was a group of people. And technically yeah. you're amongst the group, whatever. Anyway, so but then two weeks later, I'm sitting at this, this little booth with one of my professors and then one of my And clarify I didn't go. What? Well, because two weeks later, I didn't go to oh, that. You, so there was no, no other interaction between us. Which I said, is probably arrogant in itself. No, I, you didn't it come. was not. I <laughs> anyway. God. Anyway, and then he was <laughs> and I saw him, like I saw him across the restaurant. He was like in some business meeting and I like, you know, you kind of get nervous inside. And I was like kind of nervous, but I'm obviously not going to let on that I see him or that I even recognize that he's there. But the professor is sitting across from me. She sees him get up and like walk out the restaurant. She's like, Josh, Josh, come over. And I was like, oh gosh. And so she calls him over and she's like introducing him, you know, around the table. And when he came to me, I assumed, again, that, you know, arrogant guy doesn't even, he's like, she goes to shake my hand. And I just said, I wasn't snarky. It was just a truth. I just said, actually, we've met. And he like, you could see in his eyes, he was like, oh, wait. I did. No, 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 no. I knew (laughs) as I was shaking your hand. So the night that I met her, 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 her hair was down. She had no glasses on. The day in the restaurant, she had glasses on, her hair was up. And I hadn't looked at, like, I, I saw her from across the restaurant, and I thought she was gorgeous. And I, 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 like, I made note of it. But as I'm leaving, and then I go to shake her hand, it was the first time I actually made eye contact with her, because I'm talking to the professor. So and anyway, as soon as did, I met, she didn't, didn't give me a chance to say, oh, we met, we, yeah, like, she didn't give he me a chance. Like, me, that's not truth. true. Anyway. <laughs> So it met. was love at first sight. It was totally love at first sight. Yeah. I remember yeah. he walked away and the professor was like, he is the most eligible bachelor at Liberty is where we went to school. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Eligible bachelor? I thought he had a girlfriend. So at that point I was like, cheer, Lord. I, <laughs> if this is of you. And sure enough, he reached out, hunted me down. I did. Nice. Good work, buddy. And here we are. <laughs> Good work. I did. And here we are. It was so and worth it. Are. I love it. So, you know, one of the things we talked about with you guys on your show was this idea that when we come into a marriage relationship, we each bring with us kind of a mixed bag, right, of ruts and rhythms and visions of what a healthy marriage and family looks like that we 
got from our own family of origin. So I'm curious to know, what did that look like for you guys in the beginning when you came together? What was your vision of a healthy marriage and family that you brought from your own families of origin? Oh, well, from our own family of origin. Okay. So for, because for me, I grew up in a home, my parents divorced when I was 10. Um, my dad divorced again when I was 19. Um, and in both cases, his wives left him. And so for me, I was taking care of my dad. Like, it was like, I just was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to make sure that that happened. Like, I'm not going to make sure nobody hurts you kind of thing. And, and I also, I think, I think that's why I was later getting married in life was I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to get hurt. And I want to make sure I did this really, really well. I wanted to make sure that who I married, that it mattered and that we were going to correct that I was going to be a part of partnering with the Lord in, in having a different generation and starting afresh with, because every single person I did a genogram once and every single person in my family had been divorced from my, my grandparents to my parents, to my aunts and uncles, my sister who's younger than me, like everybody wants at least twice, some of them twice. And it's like, it's, it's just rampant in my family. And so we just really wanted to, I just, I said, Hey Lord, I'm, I want to be the one to like partner with you to stop this. Like, let's, let's break this generational cycle. And so for us, I feel like we were really intentional early on and what I brought into, I had done therapy. And so, you know, just even thinking about, you know, my parents were amazing parents. I had great parents who were really present. Um, as it related to marriage, I think starting healthy patterns of, of having fun were, were really one of those. And so at the end of every workday, we would get together and we would work out and we would work out together. And it was just like, pre kids. this was pre-kids. Like you're asking, yeah, you're asking early on, like I wanted to bring in a rhythm of like, let's set a pattern of, of doing things together where we're not going separate to do stuff, but we're doing things as much as we can. We're doing them together. And I think that's one of the things that we implemented early on that yeah. I think of. Yeah. And I grew up in just a very different experience. My parents were been married. Gosh, I should really ask them actually what the real so number 40 is. So forty years, forty five, forty six. There's some, I don't know, somewhere around in there. A few decades in there. They're amazing, yeah. and they're amazing. And I, you know, we grew up in a Christian family, and obviously not perfect, but just it was really solid. They did a really good job, and um, I think what was hard for me even coming into our marriage was that I there was such different dynamics going on. Um, and I remember, I remember talking to you all about this. Like it, it was just such a we were both coming in carrying such different experiences. And also like good and bad, you know, recognizing, I think it takes humility and the sense of oneness, like we call it like team us, you know, that this team is now trumps the other team because it got to be the point, you know, you almost defend your family or you're like, well, we did this mm -hmm. and they, you know, and like, you should do it this way. And he'll be like, well, but look at the, you know, mining the gold, right? Like mining the gold of what his family has instilled and. I remember our premarital counselors, we did pre-engagement counseling. That's how like we were like not going to get <laughs> wrong. We're like, we were probably, but we were also both counselors. So we're like, we're not messing this up. So we did like pre-engagement counseling and then we did, you know, premarital. But I remember them saying, like focusing on the three, three things that from your family of origin that you want to bring into your marriage and three things that you don't. And I remember that sort of opening my eyes to seeing like, oh, we get a choice. <laughs> Like there's things that I can say, like honor them for what it was, for what they were and what they did, but that doesn't get a say. It doesn't have to get a say. And we get to say what this is. And so I think for us, I real, I look back and both my parents and they were shepherds. They were shepherds of their kids. They were shepherds of one another, of the, everyone that they, everyone looks to them in that way. Mm -hmm. 
And it wasn't until later in life that I was able to like recognize that was their gift. And so that shepherding thing where like, I realize I get to take care of your heart. Like that's, I, and I, I get to, that's like my honor. Nobody else has that job anymore. It's not his mom's job anymore. It's not his dad's job anymore. There's a, still a little boy heart inside him who, and he's all grown up on the outside and he's doing a lot of great things and you can look strong and accomplished in all the ways that the world sees. But I get to see that there's still a vulnerable little boy in there. And that's, I get that job. I'm the only one who gets to tend to and shepherd that heart. And that's, I think, one of the things that I will, I hope on our, our marriage will always be grounded on. That's really good. I love that, guys. So let's jump into Famous at Home. Um, I love this concept. I think, you know, the idea of what if we as a, as a parenting couple were able to put as much creativity and focus and intentionality into our kids and our family that we so naturally do in our careers. I just think it would be so incredibly life-changing for families to really jump on board with this idea. So thank you for putting this out there. Um, I'm excited to jump into it. So one of the things you guys talk about is this emotional ceiling. Um, and I'm really curious about this since I'm the emotional one in our family. <laughs> I, between can the two of I can concur with that. <laughs> um, so you say that a parent's emotional ceiling is directly correlated to their child's. Tell us what that means and how we can work on this in our hmm. parenting. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, there's research that actually shows that, you know, your your kids aren't going to outgrow your emotional maturity while they're under your roof. So it's like kind of like your ceiling is your ch children's floor. And so, I, I mean, when they go out, there's going to be coaches and parents or teachers and there's other pastors, there's other people that will help them grow in maturity. So for us, that that really comes to this place of saying, how can we raise our emotional ceiling, our, our emotionally maturity ceiling? Like not just being emotional. We got to clarify the difference there. We're not being emotional, but what we're doing is we're identifying our emotions. You know, Proverbs says, you know, uh, patience is better than power, and capturing or, or and controlling one's emotions than capturing a city. And the idea there is that you can capture a city, but if you can't control your emotions, it isn't going to matter. But we don't control our emotions if we're denying them, suppressing them, or repressing them. Uh, they have more control of us in that moment than we have of them. And so simply having control of your emotions is to identify them. It's to label them. And there's an exercise that we do that we re that really birthed out of our early rough years uh, called 15 minutes a day, where we just sit with one another and we just share what is one positive emotion and one negative emotion that you felt today? So in, in some respects, it's like doing a prayer of examine with one another, where you look back and you, you examine your day so that I have insight into Christie's heart because, you know, you know, the Bible says to guard your heart is the wellspring of life. And I think when we're married, we have one marital heart. We're one flesh. I got to be fighting for her heart. And so my ability, I'm not gonna be able to fight for her heart if I don't know what feeling she's having or experiencing that day. And where we run into trouble with it sometimes, because the other thing is, is you don't want to fix it. It's like just taking, and sometimes it's only five minutes, but when you get into a rhythm of just sharing that each day, there's times it's turned into two hours, you know, and I can count on one hand that's happened. But if Christy's ever said to me, say, that's going to like sound really intimidating. She's like, don't, don't leave If she's that. ever sat down with me and said, Hey honey, I want to share our emotions tonight for two hours. I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to Chris's house. We're, you know, getting some yeah, cigars. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit, I, I got a thing, buddy. You can come. Yeah, I gotta, yeah. Yeah. 
so but yeah. but when you when you create space for that i can i can tell you where we were and what those two hour conversations were about because they were game changers in our marriage but had we not created space for that with that five or 15 minutes you know every day those conversations wouldn't have probably happened and so it's really for us as family as, as husband starting out with husband and wife really to go you know we want to raise our ceiling we we're not we're going to have therapists in our lives. We're going to have coaches in our lives. We're going to have pastors in our lives. We're going to submit to authority in our own lives to make sure that we are growing emotionally and spiritually in, in maturity so that our kids see that and we can give them that gift when they leave our home. Hey guys, thanks again for listening. We'll get back to the show in a minute, but real quick, just want to remind you to order a copy or two or three. And my parents' new book, The Rhythm of Us, from your favorite retailer. All right, let's get back to the show. In the book, you talk about these kind of seven decisions that, that you can make to ultimately help us be better, be famous at home with our kids. And so um, I don't know if we're, today we'll have time to talk about all seven but I would love to hear maybe some of your favorites. I know you don't have any favorite children, just like there's no favorite seven decisions. But for you guys, let's talk about it for the audience. What are some of these decisions that you would love to share? Yeah, so one of those is the 15 minutes a day. So it's really talking about emotions uh, with your spouse and doing 15 minutes a day. And these decisions came out of a conversation with a good friend of mine, uh, very well-known friend, um, who just said, Josh, in my space, like, how do I, what are, what are like the, the baby steps of being famous at home? And I'm, you know, it really was a challenging conversation for me because, you know, I was like, okay, I don't know that there's actual baby steps. It's more so decisions that we're making. And, and that's really what, what it came down to and kind of how this came out. And, mm-hmm. and so this has been really the framework that we've been coaching families in, in the last five or six years. And so I'm going to start with decision number one, because I think it's, it's really the place where we want to start. And, you know, even prior to the decisions in the book, we talk about your identity because we chase things outside the home where, when our identity is not in Christ. And so I want to just start by saying that, like this whole idea of implementing these decisions really starts out of the framework of going, my identity is in Christ. My identity is not in my job. My identity is not in my parenting. My identity is not somewhere else. It is starts in Christ. And so I think we want to start there. Out of that overflow, then decision number one is it's showing up as the best version of you for your family. So in other words, you know, thinking in bed at night, what is your greatest pain point? What is the one thing keeping you up at night? What is the one thing that, you know, you're worried about, whether it's with your spouse, maybe it's with your kids, especially in relation to your family. Maybe it's one particular child who's having struggles right now. What is that pain point that's keeping you up in this season? And identifying one way that you can show up as the best version of you for that particular in that particular relationship. And so, one of the things that we did uh, early on, you know, for me, I have to if I don't work out and spend time with the Lord before everyone else is out of bed, I'm a different human. Like I have to. So I will get up at 5 a.m. I will work out. I will have time with the Lord so that I can show up. Whereas we have a we have a 21 month old. The, 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 the uh, opposite of that is sleeping in until the baby wakes up. 
And then when the baby starts crying at like five, you know, like six o'clock or six thirty, and I'm still asleep, and I'm like, oh, I got to get up, I got to get the baby. I haven't worked out, I haven't spent time with the Lord. You know, now Christy's getting up, the other kids are up. I got to make breakfast. You're starting your day from, at least for me, I start my day from behind, and I am not the best version of me. I'm like, you know, it's all about me at that point when I wake up, and not about anybody else in the house. And so I just, one decision I implemented early on was saying,